What's up, what's up, what's up, man? Welcome to the Daniel Artest Podcast. And today I got a special show. I got the legendary Brandon Scoop B. Robinson. What's up? Man, nothing much, brother. How you doing, man? I'm glad to be in the land of the living with you guys, man. Um, <laughs> I'm good, man. It's, it's been a pretty low-key day, and I'm glad we were able to make this happen. Yeah, man. I'm really I really thank you for coming on the show, to be honest, man. Um I feel I feel great. I'm I'm honored to have you. The feeling is mutual. I feel the same way about you. You've been doing your thing all through COVID. Um, we've been getting these. What did Jay Z say? We merrily, merrily eating off these streams. And um, <laughs> I feel like right now, you know, we're in a good place because we met digitally through a story that I wrote. It's so crazy how that happened. Exactly. Exactly. So let me give everybody the rundown who you are. So Scoop B is the host of the Scoop B radio podcast. He's also a senior writer at uh, Basketball Society Online. He also contributes at Heavy Online with the Heavy on Lakers show. He's an analyst at MSG Networks. And last but not least, Scoop is an elite NBA insider. And my personal experience with Scoop B is he's one of the hardest working, if not the hardest working um, journalist in the business, very knowledgeable in all sports. And he can also put on his political hat and handle his business there as well. And um, what I love about Scoop is that he's relatable. You know, I was on his podcast uh, a few times and it's never an, uh, an interview. It's more like we're talking to a friend, you know what I mean? Which is rare in this climate of journalism where everybody want to be first and not accurate, you know? Well, now that we got that intro out the way, man, <laughs> I want to ask you how you're doing during this pandemic outside of the work. I'm doing good in this pandemic um, right now. I've just been staying busy. I've been staying active. Um, and to be honest with you, I've been running through these phones, uh, just getting all type of information and, and talking to guys. But to be honest with you, um, what I've liked about it's unfortunate that we are in this pandemic. I don't I don't take that lightly. Um, it's a kind of a duality to it because on one hand, I'm doing well productively, but on another hand, you know, COVID nineteen is affecting people that I know. You know, I lost my grandmother during this pandemic. Um and but but I, I think so it's it's like a double-edged sword. On one hand, you're being productive. On the other hand, you know, you, you can't really be around too many people because there's just a lot of stuff going on. You can't travel. The not traveling part for me, I've enjoyed. Over the last two years, I've been very, very busy um, and didn't have time to kind of like pause. So like, I feel like COVID-19 and particularly in 2020, um, has kind of been like a reset. Um, but I, But legitimately, like I think over the last six, seven months, I've been busy in a good way because I've actually sat down with people who kind of tap into my level of creativity um, and, and I've been able to make things happen in that regard. How about you? Um, I've been good. You know, I just been, you know, podcasting like a madman, you know, just just staying busy, staying, keeping my mind occupied. Um, when I was on this COVID, I lost a couple of friends and I lost a, an aunt to COVID. So I'm just you know, staying out the way, staying safe, uh, keeping my family safe as well. You know, so that that's how I'm, I'm handling COVID just by podcasting. Yeah, taking it one day at a time. So, um, hey, scoop. So we're gonna get we're gonna get started with this. So uh, take us back to the beginning, um, of what you do because you know you started as a kid, and I remember you on the NBA Inside stuff. You know, back in those days when they profiled you. Um, was journalism always the goal as a kid or did you have other aspirations? Because I say that because before basketball started for me, I wanted to be an engineer for the New York City Transit Authority. <laughs> wow. Oh, that, that's, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, engineers, uh, and particularly in transportation as well as 
bus and train drivers and just I, I find that they tell good stories. So the yeah. fact that that's what you wanted to do and now you you have a podcast and you legit LLC and all that other stuff to me, storytelling is your thing because um, basketball was what you fell in love with and that was your passion and that's kind of how it started for me. Um, to answer your question, no, I don't think journalism was what I wanted to do in the beginning. Um, even before my start at 12, um, my point of my my point of entry to basketball was twofold. One, uh, my uncle uh, ran citywide at Riverbank yeah. State Park. He was the commissioner. Uh, his name was Billy Rawls, and um, so like you know, as a kid, I used to like follow him to River Riverbank State Park. He would take meetings at Riverside Church, um, and you know, I'd see a lot of people that were you know future um, NBA guys. You know that that were in, and just I saw the way my uncle Billy got up and, and went to work every morning. And, um, you know, just was respected in the city, you know, whether it was dealing with the Sprites Junior Knicks League or um, you know, dealing with the late Ernest Lorch over Riverside Church and all that stuff. So, like, for me, that that's kind of where it started. Um, in addition to that, so Harlem grassroots basketball is what got me um, into, into the interest of basketball. But then uh, in addition to that, you know, my family ran and operated uh, a sneaker store called the athlete's foot which was the only black owned athlete's foot in new york state it was on 25th and lennox avenue what wow. oh yeah then then um they also uh, owned a shoe store on 25th and lennox called men's walkers it was across the street from um the lennox lounge and so you know as a kid i used to see you know, dominique Wilkins and you know hakeem elijah and i have pictures at my parents house i've been trying to go through them but like pictures of, of just them holding me hakeem and, and dominique as a baby but Mike Tyson was shot there. I remember as a kid being in this in Men's Walker's a shoe store, and you know Dizzy Gillespie would be in there talking with my my uncle. So that was kind of the duality of it. And then the other thing is uh, my stepfather, uh, who raised me, is from Chicago, and he's from the west side of Chicago. So he grew up literally down the street from the old Chicago Stadium. He grew up down the street from Isaiah Thomas. Um, and so you know, for for me, uh, it was a combination of New York City grassroots, the shoe stores, and and. You know, I fell in love with basketball in 1991. That was when the Bulls won their first championship. So um, I, I grew up, you know, ringing a cash register at six. And, um, you know, the Nets came much later. So, I mean, that, that as much as, you know, the 12-year-old radio show was great, um, and I'm thankful for the opportunity, I auditioned at it at, at Chelsea Pier. Uh, and what ended up happening was um, I uh, was chosen among eight kids to do commercials with the Crash Dummies as a kid. Uh, at at um, Liberty, it was at the now defunct 1660 AM Oswald Radio, which taped at Liberty Science Center in Jersey City. And then what happened was the Nets were rebranding at the time. And um, John Calipari was the head coach, vice president of basketball operations. And they were looking for a kid who was into basketball. So obviously they picked me. Van Horn was the rookie at the time on the Nets and Kendall Gill, Sam Cassell, all those guys. And that kind of just started the foundation of me, you know, entering basketball. But it kind of was by accident because I didn't audition for a Nets radio show. I was just being a kid personality, just being a kid. So, you know, my my purpose kind of aligned in that regard. Man, that's cool that, like, (laughs) our lives run parallel with Riverside Church. I'm a Riverside Church player myself as well. You know, Ron, you know, um, so you've seen a lot of great players, you know, coming coming through that small gym in Harlem. You know, that was that's amazing, man. And, um. 
you know, speaking of Harlem, I want to I want to talk about how we met, you know, on social media. You know, you had this. Street, yeah, we're going to get into it real quick. You know, you had the street ball legend. You know, you got Corey Homicide Williams. Shout out to him on, mm -hmm. on your live. He was he got to talking about Ron and, you know, I had to chime in. But, you know, it was all love. You know what I mean? And but then, you know, we grew something out of that. You know what I'm saying? You know, we talk on the phone and you always ask me questions, you know, before you write something. You always ask me if you can use this quote, you can use this headline. It may sound controversial, but you know what I mean? I'd be like, yeah, go ahead. You know, and I always appreciated that because a lot of people in your field would just jump right to it. You know, um, so I say that to ask you, who was your journalist inspiration that led you to move the way you move in this industry, being a man of, you know, good character and great integrity? Um, so you asked me previously, you know, was journalism something that I wanted to get into? And the answer was no. But yeah. I was always fascinated with who was on Channel 4, Channel 2, Channel 7, Channel 9, Channel 11, Channel 5 as a kid. New York City, local New York City um, media. I feel like people are stars on those networks. You know, yeah. uh, I don't know Bill Butel, Diana Williams. Roz Abrams, you know, Sue Simmons, like those are those are those are those are legendary names. Like I remember when I interned at NBC NBC when I was in college and I told and I'm, I'm cool with her now. I told Janice Huff to me, she was on the same level as Kelly Kapowski on Saved by the Bell. I had a crush on her. Mm. So like to answer your question directly, um, I, I'm a, I'm a mud. I, I, I split time between uh, New York City and New Jersey growing up. And for me. Um, I remember going to church on Sundays, coming home, picking up the Star Ledger newspaper in in in, in New Jersey, and um, reading it on the way back home while grabbing a Drake's coffee cake and drinking a YooHoo, and then watching TV, taking a nap, and getting up and watching sixty Minutes and watching Ed Bradley. And mm. to me, Bradley was a master at his craft. Um, the way that he asked questions, um, the way that he he, he drew people in, um, the way that he navigated interviews—that to me, that that's an art. And um, I, Bradley is somebody who you know was a child prodigy like myself, um, and, and somebody that I took cues from. Um, other people since then that I that I really have just watched and studied, Barbara Walters, um, her her line of questioning, um, Angie Martinez uh, is somebody mm -hmm. else that I have a great deal of respect for, particularly because of how she makes her subjects feel comfortable. Um, yeah. So yeah, those are some of my influences for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's cool that you mentioned all the old school uh, New York City news people, man. I I'm a I I'm a Sam Champion type of guy, man. You know, Ernie Anastas, Brenda Blackman, but you know, that's Shade Better Than Wild, man. You know what I mean? She, she has fine. a special place. <laughs> yeah, she has a special place, man. You know, she's she's actually I, I actually um met her a couple of times when I was working in security in New York and stuff. You know, so it's, it's actually good. But that's cool that you you named. I used to go home, watch the Channel Eleven news all the time, or UPN nine, and and get my news for the day. Then go out, play some more basketball, come back in, and I'm like, and and then yeah, that's it pretty much. But yeah, um, also just just moving along, um. We always hear, you know, it's not what you know, but it's who you know. Can you explain the importance cultivating relationships in this business and how that affects your success? Um, very much. Uh, I was with a player today. Mm -hmm. uh, I won't name names, but I there there was a tragedy that happened in their family, and if you look at my IG story, there's some Lysol in my IG story and they had asked okay. me to get them some Lysol and I brought it to them today 
and got spurred into a conversation about something else. How much do I owe you? Nothing. It's so much bigger than just money. Relationship is your currency in this business. Mm. Uh, and I've been able to move mountains in that regard. Uh, a lot of Lakers news, a lot of Nets news that I've broken over the last couple of years. And um, I'm in and out of LA and New York and, and Chicago and Philadelphia quite a bit. And I'll just say that, um, you know, one of the things that I've learned, uh, my grandfather taught my mom uh, that I that I have inherited as well. The saying, uh, good manners will take you farther than money ever will. Mm. Um, I've seen it. And I think that, um, you know, God qualifies the called and the gifted, but sometimes the gifted are hated on because those who are quote unquote qualified don't understand how the gifted are able to make those things happen. I think you have to be both qualified and gifted. And 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 I think God's favor has always been on my life. I think, you know, to 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 kind of walk in the doors of an African American male, a big African American male, um mm. in a in a white male dominated business. Um it's a walking miracle that I'm able to do it. But I, I think you know, now more than ever in the last couple of years, my, my faith has been stronger than ever um, in those endeavors. But, you know, it really started as a 12 year old kid. And um, I think that the relationships are so important because it's not so much about what you're doing at media access time. It's the way you're able to finesse that media access time into other elongated opportunities, like getting a phone number and an email of that subject or their hanger, their, 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 their crew, uh, their parent, their their mom, their dad, you know, whatever. Like, I think it's it's there's a finesse to it, and um, it, right place, right time, good timing, etc. So, you know, a Lysol can can spark a twenty to thirty minute conversation. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And just be, being being in that situation with Ron, you know, is is some good reporters out there like you, like this reporters that'll call me. They ask about my family first. You know how you're doing instead of getting right into it. But I, I know what you want. Or whatever, but you know, um, they they always you know they're always really polite and stuff like that. So like hearing you say that is actually really refreshing. That okay, there, there's other you know great reporters out there because there's also some other ones that be that be out there ready to you know to to blast you and stuff. You know, so well, um, I'll yeah. take my my um, my mom uh, and my stepdad are both educators, and my biological father he he um, comes from the sales business. I, I've definitely taking some cues from the sales business, but my late father where, you know, cold calling, people know whether they like you within the first five to 10 seconds, I'll say five to seven seconds. But then the, the portion of what, you know, I'm talking about my mom and my stepdad, specifically with my mom, my mom was a teacher. She's been an administrator with child study team. She's also been a principal. And one of the things that I learned from my mom is you got to take care of the people who watch the door, meaning the security or the secretary. And you got to take care of um, the people who handle the money. Yeah. You know, and that kind of ties back mm -hmm. into the, you know, good manners will take you farther than money ever will. You know, like I remember my mom being a principal at, at a school and, you know, she made sure that the, the security guy and the secretary for holiday parties got plates, you know, but then that night, she, the security guy's walking her to her car, making sure she's straight. And I mean, the same thing kind of applies to sports. Man, you'd be surprised the doorman, the, the 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 head coach, the assistant coach, and sometimes the player that will tell you something based upon how you treated them, you know, what you said to them, something slick you said or something that was witty that wasn't like some of your counterparts. I think it goes back to being gifted and, and yeah. just having good 
people skills. I think that's 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 you can teach you can't teach speed. I think that's the equivalent of that. <laughs> so um also sticking to this stuff, um, how has the process of information changed over the years, you know, due to this uh technology? Has that helped or hindered things like you know the free agency, the players' ability to take control um, of their careers? I think um, it depends on who you ask. Um, I, I can tell you that the power of social media and Twitter allows you to take what's been told to you when a text message on the phone and flip it. Um, hmm. And so I think that at the end of the day, um, it depends on who you ask. Like during, during COVID, I've had FaceTime conversations with GMs, presidents, owners that I wouldn't normally have pre-COVID because they board in the house and in the house board. So I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, I'm doing this all day. I mean, and it's to the point now where I have this phone for family and friends and this phone for, for like, or this phone for business and this phone for family and friends because sometimes this is like, this is ranked three times since while I've been answering this question. Um, oh, wow. And always so, oh, which phone I got, man? Do I got the business phone? Do I got the family and friends phone? You get the family and friends though, but but th that's more of a recent occurrence just because it's just such a volume of, of calling, like yeah. and this dies all the time. So, you know, Twitter, Instagram, WhatsApp, because you're dealing with people overseas. You're talking to coaches mm -hmm. and scouts overseas, you're talking to players overseas. You you, you know what I'm saying? Like you like you're you're constantly it's a grind. Um but it wasn't like this three years ago. I think journalism is chronicling. I mean, like, like I'm the person who's put who's who is writing history that I that will be read in social studies books 50 years from now. That's powerful. Hmm. Um, That's real. And I and I and I think, but I think as a journalist, I blur the line between personality writer. Um, and now influencer, and I think that that's that's a that's a that's a that's a word. The influencer part is something that's kind of blurred the line between celebrity journal celebrity comma journalist comma. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to knowing your values, knowing what you're interested in, and I also think it comes down to integrity but i think i'm a different in this regard one of my favorite movies i said this the other day one of my favorite movies is in too deep with omar apps and it's my favorite movie because he went undercover and i think i relate to it because i am in the space of players while also still being a journalist mm. not every journalist can uh, get in as deep as Omar Epps did with LL Cool J and 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 some of those other guys, and you got to kind of pick your spots. You still got to answer to an editor, um, and I say that I dress the part, I talk the part, but I still got to put pen to paper. It's finding that balance, and I think that at the end of the day, um, I still have to remember who I am. Um, and, and find that balance, you know? Mm. I think one of the reasons why I'm in the position that I'm in as a journalist is because 
I was the guy that wasn't as good as as some of my counterparts, but I spoke their language and I was big and black. Those, I think in this industry, that opens doors, but you actually have to write. You have to know what a lead to a story is. Um, mm -hmm. When I graduated college, nobody was checking for me, grad school. You know, I was living in my grandmother's basement and uh, I didn't, I, I cooked in crock pots, microwave, George Foreman grill, um, had no oven and I improvised. And I think that as much as my start at 12 was cool, I'm more proud of what I've done as an adult because I had to claw and scrap for everything that has come my way. And you appreciate it more when you when you do it yourself. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. Uh, that, that, I'm glad that you said that, man, because, you know, me doing this podcast and stuff and, you know, and um, so it's just dope to really just get it out the mud, get it on your own and stuff. You know, you definitely feel good knowing that. And, um, you know, I'm loving it. I'm loving this entire process and stuff, man. You know, so, you know, and also thank you for, um, you know, answering those questions, too, as well. And now, now we're going to get into some basketball talk. <laughs> Before I ask my question, you know what? I, 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 I got to ask this question. So how... How do you compete with the machine? You know what I'm saying? We, we know the name. We're not going to name names of the guy, of the other insider and stuff. You know, sometimes they steal your stuff. You know what I'm saying? And um, I know it because I can hear I can I can see it from you first. And then I can see it on their social media later. I check the time and stuff like that. I calculate the time. Like, yep, somebody's about two minutes after him, after Scoop B. Because I also see it when I be podcasting too, Scoop. Our podcast and we're talking basketball. We dropping a lot of knowledge and stuff like that. And then we can hear it verbatim on these shows the next day because i realized that because you know um my brother supports my show when i go live by you know let me use his um you know he, he retweets it so i can see is the um you know i can see and know that they they still in the steel and stuff like that so how do you compete with that i don't compete i continue to be myself what else what i'll say is um those guys that you mentioned one in particular I've noticed their wardrobe change over the last two years. They've worn more fitting stuff. Um, they're, they're, they're blending in. They've changed the way that they post on Instagram. Um, they had to adapt because I feel like information, players are talking more to re certain reporters that they trust. And mm -hmm. if they you get a guy or two or three that, that like you and trust you, you straight. But like I, I'm, I'm in names. Like I, I've been in situations like around this time last year. I was in Chicago at an event with um Anthony Davis. He was in Chicago at an event, mm. and I have a rapport with AD myself. But uh, I was there, and Shams walked in, and when he walked in, he walked right over to me and spoke. We had met that summer before, and I introduced myself. We stayed in touch, and you know, there's a there's a recognition of each other's work. You know, I, I bumped into him. Um, in Chicago in February, and you know, Scoops, what's up? He calls me Scoops. Scoops, what's up? Then, um, you know, last summer, uh, I Woj was at an event, and he was talking to a bunch, a crowd of people, and he stopped after the event was over. I had my little cousin with me. My cousin mm -hmm. wanted to meet him, and he stopped, and he walked over to me and spoke. And, What's going on, Brandon Scoop? Right? I'm like, yeah. And again, we we correspond via email. Like, I, I know them, and you know. Um, and then I bumped into Woj like that fall, last fall in L.A. And we stayed at the same hotel. We both stayed at W. And he goes, mm -hmm. Scoop, you live out here? What are you doing here? I said, I'm staying here just like you. And you know, it, it was a <laughs> thing. Like, 
no, no disrespect. And, you know, Chris yeah. Haynes, cool. Chris, Chris, I talked to Chris Sunday. I talked to him like I talked to you. Like, we're cool. I know his yeah. brother. Like, we're good. But um, I think to answer your question about the machine, I, I think um, the cream always rises to the top. When you open a, a, when you, when you open a can of soda, I have a, a, a can of A&W cream soda. The cream comes to the top, the, the top, and the rest goes to the bottom. Like if you're good, you're good. Your your, your talent is going to make room for you. So I don't really get into the business of competing. Um, I just make it a, a habit to be louder than the person who they're going to give credit for, because they have to go back and say, "Well, this person said it first, because I know what I know." Um, and I, I I think when you get in a habit of trying to compete, you kind of cheapen your your brand, like you, you have to be like a horse with blinders on. And, you know, like I think last year, basketball for me kind of began to be not fun because I was so worried about the business of it and being right and being first rather than just enjoying the reason why I wanted to get into this business. And that's why I'm having fun with it again, because at this point, there's nobody keeping score who was first. That's for your own ego. That's for your own likes and retweets. Like, we all got into basketball for a reason. And I think sometimes the business of it can kind of convolute itself. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting, man. That's <laughs> I like that. You know, run your race, but blind is on. Yeah, don't compete. I could respect that for real. I could respect that. Now let's get into some NBA talk. <laughs> <laughs> per scoop, per scoop um these report, you know, Drew Holiday name is heavy in the in the um trade rumors and everything. The teams that are involved, Brooklyn, Golden State, Denver, you know, Phoenix, the Knicks, Lakers, Clippers, Indiana, Dallas, Philly, oh, everybody pretty much. Miami, Minnesota, Milwaukee, and everything. Um, what are you hearing about him? Do you think that he gets dealt? And um, what team do you think fits him best? Me, I like Brooklyn for Drew Holiday if it happened because he helps boost their perimeter defense. He helps in case of another Kyrie Irving injury. You know, also he plays well off the ball, but they're going to have to give um, Karis LeVert to New Orleans, you know, injury prone. You know, and also with the potential injury risk of Zion Williamson, I don't know if New Orleans, you know, do that, um, make that move. But I think that if they did, that that trade will help, you know, Brooklyn immensely. I mean, what was your opinion? To be very specific. Yes. Uh, the teams that I have gotten uh, intel that are interested are, in fact, the, the Brooklyn Nets, mm -hmm. uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Golden State Warriors, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Los Angeles Clippers. Okay. Uh, I, I, I feel like Sandra Dozel. I, too, think that <laughs> um, the Nets uh, would be a, a, a solid pick uh, or, or, or acquisition. Uh, because I think that Drew Holiday does um, well playing defense on both guard spots, but also um, can play both guard spots. And you saw it last this past season uh, mm -hmm. with the Pelicans, uh, with yeah. with Lonzo Ball, uh, and with uh, himself and Brandon Ingram and, and some of those other guys. But um, I think when I look at Drew Holiday, I, I genuinely put him in the same box. Um, that players from the past uh, put these two particular players in, and, and those two players are uh, Terrell Brandon and Andre Miller. I think mm -hmm. that those two guys, um, you talk to, to guys that played in the 90s and the 2000s, and you know, Terrell Brandon is a name that gets mentioned a lot. Um, Brandon, oh, excuse me, Brevin Knight coached me when I was younger, and, uh, uh, you know, Andre Miller ultimately did take, 
Brevin's spot in Cleveland with the Cavaliers back in the 90s, and Brevin ended up leaving. He had a good chemistry with Sean Kemp and some of those other guys, and then I know he was involved in the Darius Miles trade years later, but um, yeah. Andre Miller, to me, had, had, a, had a great shelf life uh, within the National Basketball Association. And I put I put Drew Holiday in that category as well. He's very well respected, and I think because he's not loud uh, and make, it doesn't make a ton of noise, you know, he doesn't get the attention that some think he may deserve. Um, but in order for the Brooklyn Nets to, in, in fact, make that happen, as you mentioned, you wonder if Karis LeVert uh, would, would be in that uh, in that conversation. Uh, I'm told by sources that you know, the Nets are looking to make a move, uh, w- which would include uh, Spencer Denwitty, would include Jared Allen, uh, and, and would include uh, Musa as well. as And I believe it was a a first, a first round pick. I don't have it in front of me. I tweeted it, and I know it went crazy on Twitter. But um, you know, that was the information that I had gotten. Um, but I know that the Nets wouldn't be the only team that that had that would would could make logical sense. In all actuality, I believe that the Milwaukee Bucks would make sense, uh, and mm-hmm. that's a combination of intel that I've gotten, and just from a practical basketball perspective, uh, particularly because um, the Bucks are trying to keep you. Excuse me, are trying to keep. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and they believe uh, that Drew Holiday could be a fit. You know, I know that Giannis met with uh, the Bucks ownership uh, during Labor Day weekend, as I reported it, uh, along with his mother and along with his brother. And one of the things that was mentioned was a list of guys um, that he does have interest to play with. And that's why it gets a little bit murky and why I preface and word things a certain way, because I know that when the draft comes on November 18th and free agency can come, two to three days later, it's going to be a madhouse. So based off the information that I have received, um, I do know that uh, Chris Paul uh, was on that list of players that Giannis had, Giannis, Giannis the couple had interest in, as well as one in uh, the Houston Rockets is uh, James Harden, uh, who was included mm-hmm. on that list as well. So um, things can change uh, as, as has been reported by other outlets, uh, especially with Daryl Morey making the move as general manager of the Houston Rockets. He's now, president of basketball operations with the Philadelphia 76ers. There have been reports that you know, the Rockets do have interest uh, in James Harden. As I reported two weeks prior, I know that the Rockets do have interest in one in Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm-hmm. And so bad when I tweeted, I had to put my tweets on mute because I just was getting hate mail like crazy. But Yeah, I saw that. But but what I can tell you is, you know, there's going to be a lot of move, moving and shaking and, and a lot of teams are going to be having conversation. But um, you know, realistically, I do think that uh, either Drew Holiday or Chris Paul makes sense. The only difference between uh, the situation uh, with Chris Paul and Drew Holiday is, you know, the Knicks are one of nine teams uh, that have interest in, in Chris Paul. And you know, the Knicks already do have a deal in place uh, mm. to offer uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, which would include Kevin Knox, uh, as well as Picks, uh, as well as Frank Nielakina uh, and a few other guys as well. Um, but then you look at the Los Angeles Lakers in recent days, people have hinted that the Lakers could try to potentially package something together. Um, you know, if you're the Thunder, do you accept the deal, uh, which would include uh, Kyle Kuzma as well as Danny Green? Um, that's something that's been hypothetically talked about. I have not reported that and I haven't heard that, but it does make sense if you think about it. But that's yeah. one thing. if the Lakers have interest in, in proceeding with that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't mean that the Thunder are interested. Um, one thing that I can say about Sam Presti, uh, the general manager of the Oklahoma City Thunder, though, is that he tries to uh, make players who want to be traded happy and give them the opportunity to pick where they want to go. 
you saw that with Russell Westbrook. I was with Russell the day he got traded in Oklahoma, um, and and but I was with him, and you know, I'm told on told on the ground that you know the two teams that that he was interested in were the Miami Heat or uh, the Houston Rockets, and he was shipped to the Houston Rockets, and you saw that even with Paul George, uh, yeah. when, you know, he wanted to go to the Clippers, and he was shipped to the Clippers. You know? So Sam Presti, uh, the general manager of the Thunder, does try to you know make players happy. So it depends on what Chris Paul wants to do. Hmm. So there's a lot of different layers there with Chris Paul. So I feel like I feel like I got the whole the whole scoop. <laughs> no pun intended, man. For real, man. That's that's crazy. That's a lot. That's a, a lot of potential movements, man. For real, a lot of a lot of movements. It's gonna be interesting during this free agency too. Also, what about the reports of Golden State? You know, trading their number number two pick in the draft. Do you think that Golden State should make the move to trade the pick? And Wiggins to get a fourth star, or do they stand pat and draft a potential fourth star? You know that was discussed on my podcast, uh, Scooby Radio, uh, yeah. with Rashad Phillips uh, back in the spring. And one of the things that Rashad said to me was, in fact, that you know the Sixers uh, do have interest in. Uh, or let me let me let me step back. The Toronto Raptors have interest in Lamelo Ball. Um, Rashad said that on my show, and I've done some research, and they're very much sold on LaMelo Ball. Okay, mm. so in order to make that happen, Toronto doesn't have any picks. So in order to make that happen, if you want the number two pick, assuming LaMelo doesn't go one, you'd have to include Golden State and Philadelphia. And the way that Rashad said it to me on my, on my podcast, Scoopy Radio, was – in order to make that happen, the Sixers would have to ship Ben Simmons to the Warriors. Um, and in turn, Kyle Lowry could come to Philadelphia and LaMelo Ball, that number two pick, will go to Toronto and Toronto would get LaMelo Ball. Mm. Ben Simmons, from what I'm hearing from people, wants out of Philadelphia. Yeah, I bet. Publicly say that because you don't want to face that backlash. Yeah. Particularly from Sixers fans on, on Twitter, yeah, a rough bunch. Um, <laughs> but the other the other part of that is um, the Warriors may be willing to deal their number two draft pick. Um, but all along, I, I've been told from multiple sources that you know the Minnesota Timberwolves are willing to 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 move that number one pick. Um, but the other thing is. You have to consider what, in fact, Carl Anthony Towns wants to do long term. Hmm. Um, and speaking to a few people, uh, it's been told to me that you know the Timberwolves worship the ground that Towns walks on, um, but at the same time, former Timberwolves that I speak to have said to me, "It's boring. He needs to move on. There's other things going on." And then so then that's where you look at the New York Knicks. And the tie-ins that Towns has, particularly with Leon Rose, who was his agent, who's now the president of basketball operations with the New York Knicks. That's where you look at Leon Rose, who is the second in command under, uh, or excuse me, you look at uh, William Wesley, who was the second in command under Leon Rose, who has ties to John Calipari, who coached Carl Towns in, in uh, Kentucky. Um, you look at Tom Thibodeau, who did coach Towns in Minnesota. So you look at all those things there. So if Minnesota moves that first pick, do you do that with the clairvoyance that Towns is going to stay and that you can build something special? Because 
We did go out and get D'Angelo Russell at the, by the trading deadline. They got two pieces there in Towns and Russell. Yep. You know, it was believed early on that you know the, the Timberwolves would be able to pry um, Devin Booker from Phoenix. Those three want to play together. Yeah. But from what I'm told and, and talking to multiple people, you know, throughout the league, they've shared with me that you know it's not going to be that easy. And so, as some have indicated in the reporting, um, Ben Simmons could make sense if Golden State doesn't bite with the number two pick. Go at Minnesota with the number one pick. They say that the uh, critiques on LeBron James are warranted. Some say the lack of respect is due to the untouchable goat narrative created by the media as well, and others say it's flat out hate. So, you as a as a member of a media, do you think that the the, the Michael Jordan undisputed goat narrative is legit? Um, I don't think that is legit. I think that you know Kareem should be mentioned in there as well. You know, um, and um, you know Magic Kareem and you know you know um. Kobe, as well. I just don't think that it's like a closed door situation anymore, you know? So I just want to know, like, what exactly do you think the hate for LeBron stems from? Is it because he's really not in the GOAT conversation, in your opinion? Or, you know, um, what status would he have to do to convince the world that he can um, sit at that spot as the GOAT? <laughs> <Your opinion. laughs> I believe that LeBron um, and Michael comparisons are not valid until after LeBron retires. Because how can you judge? Look, I cooked dinner the other day. I made some fried flounder, uh, rice and yellow rice and beans, baked beans, um, cornbread, uh, Brussels sprouts, all that, right? Um, how can I judge a batch of cornbread in the oven that's half done versus the cornbread that's done? Hmm. That that's that that you don't you can't, right? Yeah, exactly. Michael, Michael retired twice. He retired in 93, retired again in 98, and then he came back and played for the Wizards. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, at the beginning of LeBron's second season, this past season with the Lakers, you know, I was willing to make the comparison that this was this was Michael in, in Washington, this moment in LA. But you can't now because LeBron won a ring with LA. But I also feel like when you look at skill set. LeBron was never Michael. LeBron was always Oscar Robertson or Magic Johnson. Mm. To be honest with you, when Magic Johnson came back in the mid-90s, he was built just like my, uh, LeBron. He was 6'9", 260. Mm -hmm. um, but LeBron, to me, was always Oscar Robertson, was always more Scottie Pippen, more Penny Hardaway than he was Michael. And that's not a knock on him. I just think that his game encompasses – First of all, a pass first mindset when he first came in and was playing in Cleveland. I remember when I was in college and I picked up um, NBA Live 2004, and I was hyped because you had a 6'8 point guard in LeBron on Cleveland's roster, and your starting two guard was J.R. Brimmer. <laughs> and you had Darius Miles or, or Ricky Davis, you know, like you had, and you had Big Z, then you had. You, you, you had Carlos Boozer. Boozer, like, yep. Coached by Paul Salas. By the way, I'm very happy for his son, Stephen Salas, who you know, was hired as the head coach of, of the uh, Houston Rockets, a guy that that's an NBA lifer. Yes. That's finally getting his opportunity. And, and I'm be honest with you, uh, if you're giving Stephen Salas a job, um, you, you now have to look at Sam Cassell, who's been an assistant coach in the NBA for like 10, 11 years now. 
Absolutely. Uh, NBA player. And, 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 I, and I'm, I am one of the biggest lobbyists that, you know, Sam Cassell should get his just due. So um, I'll say that. But, you know, as it relates to the LeBron-Michael conversation, um, LeBron is not Michael because he has those past first skill sets, a taller Jason Kidd, if you will, um, with a better jumper. Um, but, I, you know, Jason Kidd had a solid jumper towards the end of his career, you know, shifted over to the two guard with the Knicks at times and, you know, hit it when it counted in Dallas with the Mavericks when they won a the championship in 2011. But you know, as it relates to Michael, I think people have made Michael the gold standard of winning six championships and going undefeated because I think in the NBA, the, the, the perimeter guy, the two, the one, the two, three positions are the wide receivers of the NBA. And I think oftentimes those are the sexy positions. You know, the, the grunts don't get there, just do. And so that's why I think a guy like Kareem, a guy like Bill Russell, who has one more, who both have won, if I'm not mistaken, more rings than Michael. Yeah. They don't get their just due. Um, and I think, honestly, and just kind of listening to different people, I, I do kind of look at Bill Russell, excuse me, I kind of do look at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the Tom Brady of the NBA. Um, you know, I look at, I look minus, minus the flake gate. Um, when I, when I look at, when I look at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, he won um, with the Milwaukee Bucks as Lou Alcindor and then went over to the Lakers as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did what he had to do. He did his thing at Powell Memorial High School, yep. and, you know, went to UCLA, did his thing under John Wooden and then came to the NBA in Milwaukee, did his thing, came to the Lakers, did his thing. So uh, I, I just think that when you look at greats, um, you, you kind of have to subset them from, from their error rather than saying, well, this person is better because they have more championships. And I know people use this analogy all the time, but it sounds just like Robert Ory should be in the, in the Hall of Fame because he has seven championships and one more yeah. than Michael Jordan. I mean, don't get me wrong. Robert Ory did his thing uh, at Alabama in college and then over in the NBA when he played for the Houston Rockets. He was he was part of that offensive scheme with under Rudy Tomjanovich with, with, with uh, Hakeem Olajuwon and, and those characters there. But, you know, when he went to the Lakers and when he was in Phoenix and when he was with, you know, San Antonio, he was a role player. You know, so I, I think I think um, hitting all these guys against each other takes away from their greatness and their validity. Um, but I but I also do think that LeBron had impact in the NBA right away that Michael Jordan did not. Neither did Kobe. Mm. Both guys had to grow into those roles. That's interesting right there. That point where you said Michael Jordan had to grow because Michael Jordan, um, if I remember, averaged like 26 coming in as a rookie. So when you say like he had to grow into that spot, like because he, you know, LeBron didn't do that. You know, LeBron was averaging 20 points, five rebounds, five assists. Jordan was 20 over 25, five and five as a rookie. So, like, that's I, I want to know what you mean by the the, the growth the, the growth part of, of that one right there. That's interesting because because when Michael first came into the league, he played under Doug Collins. Yeah, so Jackson made him great. So Jackson mm -hmm. made him pass the ball and be and, and be a team player. Doug yeah. Collins enabled ball hog nature. Yes, he did. The yeah. same way. That Phil Jackson elevated Kobe mm. after playing for Del Harris. But before we get out of here, Scoop, one more. All right, then this is the, the, the uh, this is uh, this uh, um, the last one actually. No, because the I have a problem with the bubble, right? And everybody's talking about the Miami Heat and how they're going to be this great team next year and stuff. But everybody's not factoring the traveling. You know, what I'm saying going on the road, flying, and everything like that. I think that this bubble. You know, with, with with no crowd, nobody's traveling, everybody's getting that that proper rest in between games and stuff. You know, a lot of teams got shocked. You know, like I think that Denver wouldn't even come back from a three-one versus the Clippers and stuff. You know, so you think that um, 
you know, Miami Heat's run, could they repeat it or are they a little bit overrated? No, I never thought Miami was overrated. Um, and I think you saw it even before the bubble, um, specifically because, I mean, just, just because you're under the radar doesn't mean that you're not good. I think everybody was paying attention to the Milwaukee Bucks and just assumed that the Bucks were going to the finals. Yeah. You know, and I think we were also in a phase where Philly and Philly fans um, laughed at Jimmy Butler because he made a decision that was best for him. Yeah. And in turn, Jimmy Butler became the new Dwayne Wade in Miami. Mm. And I think that the byproduct of Jimmy Butler going to Miami was that Brett Brown ended up getting fired because Jimmy and Brett, they bumped heads. And Jimmy was the old head that kept Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid going. And to be honest with you, what Brett Brown was doing in Philadelphia in the playoffs last year, where you move Ben Simmons off the ball, and mm-hmm. you know, Jimmy basically being that Scottie Pippen and a primary ball handler, it gave Ben Simmons a level of freedom. Mm-hmm. That's why Philly was better last season than they were this season. And they also had J.J. Redick. So you basically re-signed Tobias Harris for that $142 million and you overpaid Al Horford, and you let J.J. Redick go. Mm-hmm. And then the Sixers ended up shifting Ben Simmons to the four and starting Shake Milton at the one. They basically were turning Ben into LeBron in Miami in year one where it made him a scorer and comfortable being it. Yeah, That's why Chris Paul to Philly is very underrated. Mm. As much as I talked about Los Angeles and the Lakers and as much as I talked about the Knicks, if Oklahoma and the Sixers find a way make it so that Chris Paul comes to Philly instead of Milwaukee or New York, Philly could upgrade. And I and I think that at the end of the day, um, with Jimmy Butler, um, I think Jimmy Butler made the right decision. Um, and I also think that they're not done, particularly because Victor Oladipo um, is due between 16 and 20 million this year. And if the Pacers just I mean, I tell you, Oladipo wants to leave. He's saying all the right things. But if the Pacers and the Miami Heat find a way to make a deal happen, you bring in an Oladipo. And then you find a way to bring in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah. You pretty much, Jimmy Butler looks like a genius, if that were to happen. Mm. Hey, school man, thank you for coming on to the show, brother. Man, I appreciate you. Man. Thank you for the opportunity to be myself. Yeah, of course. You always listen. You more than welcome. You family, man. I'm like your older brother. I didn't know I was older than you. You know what I'm saying? I found that out. I was like, wow. Okay, cool. School, school. A young, a young, a young buck in this game. I'm a young buck, but so, so yeah. So you know, um, like I said, thanks for coming on to the show and everything. Just um, give the people you know how they can reach you on social media. Um, follow me on Twitter at Scoop B. I'm actually um, my Twitter account has been hacked. So I'm waiting to get back in. I've been hacked since Sunday. Um, but mm. follow me on Twitter at Scoop B. Uh, Instagram and Snapchat at scoop underscore B, uh, but also uh, subscribe to the scoop B radio podcast. We, we, we uh, get about 3 million streams annually. Um, have had anybody from Mark Cuban to DJ Khaled to Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, um, the, uh, the voice of Syria, myriad, myriad of people, Pete Sampras, 
Uh, we've had them on. And then also um, my new endeavor with Heavy.com, where I'm a senior writer. Uh, I have a show called Heavy Live with Scoop B. Uh, we've had anyone from um, Jamel Hill to uh, uh, Antoine Walker, Stefan Marbury, Jeff Van Gundy, um, the porn star Lisa Ann, uh, a myriad of people. And, man, we got a big lineup coming up um, from now till uh, the end of December or to mid-December. And uh, you, you guys want to be, be checking out for the next episode of Heavy Live uh, with Scoop B will we'll air uh, on the 10th of uh, October. So, you know, be looking out for that. But last episode, we had Soledad O'Brien uh, the day before the election. And, um, yeah, man, we, we're really, I'm, like I said, I'm going through my phone and going through the archives and just getting some of everybody. So I'm yeah. having fun with it. And it's tapping into my creativity. Thank you for listening to the Daniel Artest Podcast. I know you all can follow me at Daniel Artest Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, also, I got the Facebook group, 2,800 people in there. Just go search it on um, Daniel Watch Podcast on Facebook. With that being said, we out. Love is love. Peace. <laughs>